to another episode of Between Us and Y'all. This is Yasmin. I'm Nafis. And we want to welcome you. Today, we're going to be having some guests on our show, and we'll introduce them shortly. But before we do, we want to make sure that we advertise for our local businesses. Today, I'm wearing a shirt by Malcolm X Grassroots uh, Movement. And this shirt has a hashtag of Black Control of Black Lives. I decided to wear this today because of the current um, issue that we have in the media with Brother Ahmed Arbery that passed away in Brunswick, Georgia. And so we want to bring awareness to his case and make sure that we are doing everything that we can to support it. Do you want to advertise? Uh, I advertised a shirt before, but this is a, a Pumziko shirt. Uh, it's a Camp Pumziko, it's a survival camp that happened every late uh, July. July. And if you want information on it, then all right cool okay so before we get started our guest today is my good friend karima and her son samad can you both introduce yourselves hi how y'all doing my name is samad noble i'm in rising senior at morehouse college and my name is karima noble and i am an ela teacher middle school i teach eighth grade ela all right, cool. Thank you both for being here. You are another um, mom-son duo that I admire. I've known Karima for a few years, well, a long, long time, but yeah. got acquainted a little um, over the last couple of years, gotten a little closer. Yeah. And I have watched her children grow, you know, and always said I wanted my son and her son to get to know each other. So for the people that are listening, if you want your sons to get to know them too, you can reach out if you want. All right, so. With all of our guests. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for being here, too. You guys look real comfortable outside. Weather nice? <laughs> Is it yes, nice? enjoying the on the deck, man. It's very nice. It's very nice. Beautiful day. Beautiful day. <laughs> all right, cool. All right, so we usually start with our first question that we address to all of our guests. And that is our family motto is work hard, pray hard, love hard, and pray hard. We try to incorporate that in everything we do. And we wanted to know if you all had a family motto. And if so, what was it? I mean, we don't necessarily have a family model, like nothing that we've actually defined that this is our family model. But if I had to like come up with a family model, I definitely say, um, I've got your back. Like, I think that that's a good model for our family because, um, Regardless of what's going on in life, uh, you know, we have three adult children. Smile is one of three. And um, I think that they can all say that no matter what, you know, goes on, whatever. My, my husband and I have their back. They have each other's back. We have each other's back as a family. And so we try to make sure that, you know, uh, we're there for each other whenever, you know, whatever, come what may, whether it's, you know, in good times or bad. So I think for me, that would be a good model for us. What do you think, Smile? Um, kind of to piggyback off what my mom said, we don't necessarily have a model, but if I had to come up with one, I would probably say together we're strong because, um, then no matter what's going on in our lives, because we all, you know, live our different lives at, at different points, but we always come back to our family roots and we all know that as long as we do have each other and that we come to each other and confide in one another, that will always be okay. Wow. I love that motto. That's very, it's really good. And that's something I think any of our listeners could adapt in their own lives, you know, if, within your family. I think that's a dope model. Thank you for sharing that. Okay. All right. And so today our topic is going to be on um, drugs. This is a conversation where we're going to specifically focus on profit versus abuse and peer pressure. 
this is something that a lot of families have conversations about in different ways. And so we're grateful that our guests are going to be joining us to share in conversation with Nafisa and I about this particular topic. So we're going to jump right into our first question and either of you can answer. You're breaking up a little. Can you hear me? You guys yeah. are breaking up a little. You're breaking up just a little. How about now? That's a little better. You're good now. Okay. All right. So we're going to jump right into our first question. The first question is, in our current climate, the topic of drug abuse and drug use is all over the news. Whether the discussion is about opioid addiction, the passage of laws for medical marijuana, or the lack of medicine available to treat COVID-19 patients in certain communities, are these topics something that you currently discuss in your household? And if so, how do you bring it up? Well, I mean, I guess with it's very current in terms of what's going on now with COVID-19. So um, I think, I mean, we never like specifically sat down and discussed this particular topic, but I mean, definitely it's very relevant considering what we got going on today in, um, in, in our current climate. So I, I would say, you know, as it relates to drugs, you know, um, especially those drugs that, that have that have use that are good for you you know those things that you know god has put placed on the earth for us to be able to be a healing for us i think that you know it, it it's definitely something that we should be able we should be considering um in this current climate because as, as like i mean i'm what we have right now the, the alternative is what pharmaceuticals and we all we all know that pharmaceuticals have you know they treat one thing but they have so many other ill effects that could, you know, potentially harm a person, um, a person's body that I think that we should start to consider um, those things that are natural and that God has placed on the earth for us to be able to uh, heal because he says for every disease there is a cure. Right. So um, absolutely, I, I think that is, is something that's very relevant and we should be considering because, I, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of pharmaceuticals. I understand they have their place. And I understand that there are some, you know, um, there is a need but if there is an option for us to be able to you know use a natural you know remedy a natural drug to be able to you know um heal then i think we should so, thank you samad do you want to add anything to that hmm she had her mouth she's at her mouth <laughs> there but uh, okay well um like she said no we don't really discuss that per se in our household but um i believe that um the whole topic of you know good drugs versus bad drugs goods that are drugs that are used to for natural healing and alternative drugs i personally feel that it's all a matter of perspective mm -hmm. because um while one may feel that a certain type of drug that someone uses isn't helping them or helping their body or helping their mental you know they they may feel that it does so at the end of the day for me i i feel that when it comes to drugs that i feel that it only becomes a problem is when you have some type of other ailment going on or something that you're trying to treat like let's say you have one person may have like depression or if you know if someone is fighting like you know 
or just feeling really, really low and just not in a good place, then that's when I feel that when you add drugs to that, it has a, a negative connotation. But um, outside of that, um, I feel that it's all a matter of perspective for the said person. Thank you for sharing that. You got you all share some similar, you know, the way that we feel about the topic as well. We we have conversations about it. Um, just because we have family members who use medical marijuana for their ailments. That's their choice that they use because they've seen better results to their body or whatever from using that, as opposed to pharmaceuticals, and that's been their choice. And so in our household, you know, we have discussions about it. We we don't you know, we're not out here advertising people using you know, whatever it is you decide to do. <laughs> right, right, right. The conversation is what's important, that you know what's going on in your household and you know how your son or your daughter or your family feels about the thing so that you're offering support. And that's what this conversation is about. You want to add anything on that question before we move on? I definitely, well, no, I don't have anything. Okay. All right. So we're going to move on to our, <laughs> our next question. We talked about it before. <laughs> Alright, cool. So the next question is specifically with marijuana, how do you all discuss the difference between profit versus abuse as it relates to many states passing laws to allow medical marijuana to be allowed where years ago this was considered illegal? Did y'all hear the question? Yes, definitely did. Do you want to start or do you want me to start? Repeat it one more time. Specifically with marijuana, how do you all discuss the difference between profit versus abuse as it relates to many states passing laws to allow medical marijuana to be allowed, whereas years ago this was considered illegal? I, I, I wouldn't start. I'm sorry. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. I asked him and then I told him I'm going to start. You had your chance of mine. Okay. Okay. I'm going to come back to him. But I really believe, like, okay, when you think about this concept of um, now, what used to, you know, be a crime for African Americans, males particular, but African Americans in general, let's just, let's keep it there, um, for African Americans to be able to, um, you know, receive, you know, I don't know, from one year to however many years of imprisonment for, you know, uh, selling marijuana to now it being something that you can go to a store on you know in pretty much every african-american community and find it legally and and there is 99.9 percent .9 of the time the individuals that own that establishment are not african-american right. so they are profiting um on our community um but it's the situation where you know we are always uh, unfortunately left out of the equation in terms of being able to um you know, reap the benefits. Yes, excellent. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, reap the benefits, or to just to be able to provide a service like medical marijuana to our own community, um, and it be something that that can generate income within the community, keep the money within the community. So um, I think that there's a disparity there, and that that that's a conversation that should, probably should be had because it is it is um, quite interesting. Like when you really think about it, that wait a minute, you know, a couple of years ago. If my son, you know, I'm not putting him saying he's ever sold. I'm just, you know, if he wanted to, you know, sell something like this, he would have been, you know, he he would have been criminalized. But now you have individuals who are, you know, profiting, and you know, it is, and now it's legal, and it's, you know, something that, you know, I definitely um, think that that that's an issue, absolutely. Elijah, 
Sorry, son. Do you want to add? Yeah. Um. I, me personally, I feel that it's a long time coming. For um, but also it also is unfortunate that we cannot reap the benefits of it. Um. So. Um, okay. Um. You want us to come back? Oh. You got it. I think. I think. I'm doing, I'm <laughs> Take it. With it. It's fine. <laughs> you so you think it's unfortunate we can't reap the benefits. Yeah, unfortunate that we can't reap the benefits of it, and we'll come back to yeah. it. Yeah, come back. It's cool. It's completely fine. We'll come back to it. Did you want to add anything while he's thinking? Um, I think I'll be right. I think in terms of our community, it's, it's much harder for us to get, I guess, you know, onto the profit side because of, you know, just the color of our skin. Mm-hmm. And, but I think when we do get on the other side of profit, it makes it, the business side of the world makes it much harder for us to really, really uh, profit from it and make money off of it. So I guess we're just stuck on being on the abusive side. Yeah, I agree. And it's tough. When, like Nafi said, you know, when we get on the profit side, it's really difficult because you have people that are that have been in the business for a long time who have better marketing or they have a bigger market, you know, control of the mm-hmm. market than we do. And so I think it's very unfortunate. But you have a lot of people who are being released from prison right now for being in prison for years, you know, 10 years or more, for very small amounts of marijuana. And now you can't imagine how they feel seeing people just freely buying it on any street, you know, in their neighborhood. Walking. Yeah. (laughs) And then advertising it too. You know, there's billboards around the city of Atlanta about dispensaries, you know, so that's unfortunate. So before we move on to the next question, Samad, did you want to add anything? Did you remember? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So earlier, my mom said that, um, she gave an example of how, you know, if I were to be caught with or selling, you know, a certain amount of weed or whatever, then I'll be thrown in jail. I, but I, I just think that it's also very um, important to realize one thing, and this might make some people upset, and that's okay, but the most frightening thing for people who are not our color in America is to see us being powerful and successful. And so I feel like them knowing that there's always going to be a loophole or people are always going to try to find a way to either withhold us from something that we're the main consumer of or just something that, you know, it's just essential to our culture. Right. When you say essential. Threatened. Or it plays a big part in our yeah, culture. I yeah, I wouldn't say essential <laughs> to it. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, it's, it's, it's a part of the culture. It's a part of the culture. But I think I think also when, we, when, we, when you really start thinking about dispensaries and things of that nature, I think that they also, there, there's also a... Um, and, I, and I'm not sure because I've never actually, you know, gone in a dispensary or purchased any any uh, medical marijuana. But I, I, if I ever came to a place where, you know, I, I was 
chronically ill or I had some kind of, you know, um, ailment that I did not, you know, want to take the pharmaceutical route, I would absolutely, you know, um, consider it. Um, but I also think that we have to consider too that, okay, well, what's being sold in a dispensary versus what's sold on on, on the corner of such and such, you know, it's, it's probably not the same in terms of quality and in terms of um, the, um, the, the benefits, if you understand what I'm saying. So I think that that's something that we can't eliminate from the conversation as well, you know, but I also understand what you're saying. Either way, you know, other races are benefiting, you know, off of, um, in, off of African-Americans and the consumption of uh, marijuana and whatever. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that point up because a lot of people are not aware that Monsanto, which is one of the biggest owners of genetically modified foods, has a weed strain. And so if you can imagine oh. that they have a weed strain, then that's genetically modified and it's probably not safe for exactly. your body, you know? Exactly. And so it's very important if you are a person, a listener who is using medical marijuana, that you're making sure that you're getting it from somewhere that's safe and you know what's going on with that particular um if you consider it medicine, that you know what's going on with it. Okay. All right. So moving on to our next question, um, this falls in line with what we're talking about. And I want to start with you, Karima. If Samad, okay. if Samad came home and said, you know what, I'm tired of this. You know, all these people are making money off of this medical marijuana. <laughs> I've decided that I'd like to be a person who opens a dispensary and I'm going to sell. How would you respond to him? I mean, uh, my son is grown, you know, I, uh, you know, I, I would not really be able to say much else. I mean, if he's got a business plan, this man is, you know, put himself, you know, his money's together and he's done what he needed to do to, you know, get his business up and running. I don't, I don't know that I would be able to have much say in a grown man's, you know, um, affairs. However, I would definitely, you know, um, I would just have to make sure, like you said, that there, that, you know, he's aware of, um, climate. you know, what the climate is, but not only that, but exactly making sure that what the product that you are, you know, providing to, you know, your, to the, to the community is, is good. It's not, it's not harmful. It's not, like you said, genetically modified, or it's not laced with this, or like, it's not going to cause, um, individuals in the community to, um, be harmed you understand so if, if it's something that will produce a good for the for the community and and it, again it, there are people who you know have had tremendous results you know using medical marijuana as opposed to pharmaceutical um drugs and i mean I, I don't know that i would be able to you know object on you know a huge level now is that necessarily the you know career choice I would want my son <laughs> to jump and dive into not necessarily but at the same time you know I you know I, I would I would you know I would have to make sure that he first and foremost checks his intentions make sure that you okay if this is something you're wanting to go into your intentions are to help you know those individuals who maybe have not been able to get find cures for whatever ailments they have through the pharmaceutical way or they don't want to they just don't want the um side effects or whatever but make sure that it's it's something that you know you're you're going into with a pure heart and that you you're, you're you have a heart to help people um using again something that god has created you understand what i'm saying so for me that would be yeah that would be my answer to that like Ramon, you want to add anything to that how do you think what so, you so want what, response? so what 
what is the actual question being asked? The question is, is if you decided to be a person, your mom, if it could have been her, she maybe she comes home and she says, hey, everybody, I'm getting ready to open a dispensary. This is what I'm going to do. And, you know, how would you feel about that conversation? And what would, how would you feel about that? What would be your response to that? That's what she was saying is because the question initially was, is if you came home to her and asked that question. And now I'm asking you if she decided to ask you that as a parent, what would be your response? That's a good question, actually. Okay. Um, well, I'm not going to lie. Um, knowing how my mother is <laughs> as a person, at first it, w- it would strike me as puzzling. <laughs> but um, after I get past that, um, like she said, it's all about intentions. Like, what, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to help or hurt? And I feel that if she was genuinely trying to help the community and provide a service that she felt that um, people needed and could benefit from, then I feel that why not? It's just because just because it's not conventional doesn't mean it's not effective. Okay. So I feel that as long as she has her head on straight, um, she has a plan, she's mapped it out, and she believes in what she's doing, and she believes in you know the system that she has then I believe that if she can be great at it, go for it. Okay. Thanks. Cool. How about you? How would you feel in that face about me coming to you and saying, this is what I'm getting ready to do? Uh, for me, I think I would be, I don't know, it would be a little shocking because then like kind of, <laughs> what, to, to piggyback off what he said, um, I guess where if, if you, I know your game plan, if you know your game plan and you're, um, very confident in it and courageous then there's nothing that should be able to stop you in doing that um, and knowing what what intent that you have because you know the that problem comes in because if you're just saying well I, this is what I want to do but you know I, you're not really thinking it through or you know the people that you wanted to really affect then you know what what's the point in doing it so that's my mm-hmm. I think it would just be kind of starstruck but <laughs> I mean, like you said, go for it if that's the way that you want to make your money. Follow <laughs> So it's important. Uh, we're we're going to move on to our next question before we do that. It's important for us to open. Can you hear us? Can you hear us? It's breaking up just a little. I think it might be the wind because we, we can hear you guys fine. Can you hear us? Oh, okay. Yes, we're good. Okay. Yeah. So I was saying that it's important for us to have these types of conversations. I know we've been talking about marijuana for the conversation, but that's not the topic. The topic is about drugs. And honestly, oftentimes Mm -hmm. mothers and sons are not having these conversations in the ways that we're having it right now. A lot of people are very afraid to touch the topic. They're afraid to bring it up, especially in Muslim families, because Mm -hmm. when somebody starts talking about drugs or anything at all, in a positive way, then the first thing usually in Muslim families that somebody might say is, don't talk about that. That's forbidden. That's haram. Mm-hmm. You know, not realizing mm-hmm. that our young men are in society. They have friends who are using drugs. They have teachers that are using drugs and they're seeing it all around them. So they need to be armed and prepared to be able to respond to anybody that they're interacting with or if they're approached with it or if deciding to use it themselves. 
they need to know how to handle themselves. And so I, I appreciate right. you all being open to have the conversation because a lot of people are very afraid to do so. So Ma, did you want to ask something before we moved on? It looked like you was about to say something. I mean... <laughs> I'm not pressuring this might be, it's up to you. This might, this might be controversial, but when you were talking about how a lot of Muslim families don't want to have the talk either about, you know, drugs, you know, how they're used. Um, I'm just saying that I'm pretty sure I'm not <laughs> sure, but I'm pretty sure that there are some families, Muslim families who have kids who use drugs. Like, Definitely. I'm pretty sure of it. So, like, just trying to hide from the reality and the truth that is all around us I feel is naive no matter what religion you are. It's true. It's dangerous too because if Absolutely. you haven't prepared your, your your children and your families for what's really going on in society then they learn for the first time from society what the you know right. what lessons are going to be and so you're kind of leaving it leaving it up to society to teach your children or your family about a thing when you can be the first to arm them like you would do with any other lesson so I appreciate you for being brave to discuss that. Next question. The next question is, how do you define peer pressure as it relates to drugs? Do you face it often? And do you face it often? How do you define peer pressure as it relates to drugs? Well, I'm gonna let you go first, son, since you're <laughs> It's probably closer to yeah I, I mean i'm 40 almost 46 i don't get too much peer pressure you know? so, i mean I, I can i can definitely address it you know from a perspective of when maybe 20 25 years ago absolutely but you know let's uh I'll, I'll yield to samai first um well i actually have a couple answers that i can give for this um one way of peer pressure as it relates to drugs that um i've actually seen is that i wouldn't even say it's actually physical peer pressure. I would say that it's seeing like all of your friends around you who do it and you see they're having fun, they're having a good time, you know, it makes them feel good. So psychologically it's like, you know, I want to feel that way. You know, I want to feel good. I want to feel happy. You know, I want to be able to, you know, to feel how they feel. So that's, so that's another way. Um, another form of peer pressure as it relates to drugs, um, I would say that, well, it is the physical, as in, you know, if your friend comes to you and he's like, hey, bro, you know, I have, you know, this, this, and this, you want to try it? And, you, and you're like, nah, man, I'm good on that. And he's like, bro, it's good. It does wonders for you. I'm telling you, <laughs> like, salesman. <laughs> believe it or not, believe it or not, even though all we does not have the same effects on one person as it may have for another. Like, I know some people who, if they smoke weed, it makes them focus. It makes them concentrate. It makes them get work done. Like, it actually heightens their concentration. Now, other people maybe not be like that. If they smoke weed, it makes them lazy, but they don't want to do anything. So, I mean, so like I said, that goes back to perspective, but we're not on that question anymore. But, um, yeah, probably just the peer pressure of, you know, wanting to fit in and be socially accepted by your friends because we all value the opinions of our friends, whether you want to say it or not. Um, but I feel that it's, it's just important to realize that, you know, the peer pressure, it's always going to be there. Now you can choose whether or not to 
be on your own and and just and just because and well i'll say this i feel that just because one person may ends up may end up doing drugs that doesn't automatically correlate to them being peer pressured mm. most people think that if oh if you do drugs oh who told you or you know who did this but a lot of times it's a personal choice too that's true very true. Now it does. Now you are. Now you may, to some degree, be influenced by the society around you, what you see. But a lot of the times, it's me saying, "I want to do this." Not he, she told me to do this. So you know, I think it, I think it's just good to look at all sides of it when it comes to peer pressure. Yeah, I, I like that. And to piggyback off what somebody said, that he he basically brought up a, a, a good point as it relates to personal accountability. Because I think, yes, peer pressure exists and it's just not something that we can say is not, um, you know, prevalent, you know, among youth. But at the same time, yes, there is a certain level of accountability that I think everyone has to, you know, um, has to take in, in, in when they make choices. Because we all are, you know, a product of our own choices. Um, I can, you know, go back into my youth, you know, some, well, 49, I don't know, 20 six years or seven years ago, oh, <laughs> 27 <laughs> years or so ago, you know, when I was in college, you know, I mean, and, and this is my, this is, this is, this, I'm not ashamed to tell my story because it, it shaped who I am it's today. It's hilarious. Um, and I'm not going to go into the long story, but I'm just saying, you know, you know, I was a freshman in college, you know, fresh out of, you know, Muslim school, you know, had, you know, never really been on my own, you know, and, and, you know, so you, you get, and, and if you're not careful, uh, and you don't guard your your, your associations, and you you could be easily susceptible to certain things. And so um, I can definitely say, you know, when I was, you know, my freshman, uh, June man, maybe not freshman, yeah, freshman, freshman sophomore year, yeah, I definitely, you know, uh, started, you know, gravitating towards the wrong crowd, and that was part of the the um, the, the socialization at an HBCU, like, hey, you know, we, this is what, how we turn up or whatever the case may be. And I think that for me, growing up in a Muslim home and having, you know, had the seed planted, you know, you know, when I, it, it allowed me to, you know, be able to, you know, bring, you know, come back to what that wish, you know, I, I was already in, instilled in me. Um, and, but through, through that process, I had, you know, I had some experiences that, you know, really were like, almost like they were not almost, they were like, like God saying, Hey, I'm trying to wake you up. Like you better really, you know, bring it back sis, because uh, you about to, you know, go all the way off the wrong path or whatever the case may be. So for me, you know, um, I've shared my experiences with my children about, you know, uh, when I was in college and some of the choices I made to smoke weed or do this or do that. And, you know, and some of the um, consequences of those actions, because I think that, you know, yes, we can we can talk all day long about peer pressure. But at the end of the day, like my son said, really, sometimes it just comes it just comes down to your you, you made a choice. You made a choice. And with every choice, there is a consequence or there is a you know, you have to live with the consequences of those choices. And the only thing we can hope for is that God grants us enough you know, respite, enough grace, enough mercy to be able to come back from um, um, those experiences and be better for them. You know, you understand what I'm saying? So for me, you know, I share them with the hopes that they don't have to experience some of the things that I experienced that were negative as it relate, related to, you know, um, 
drug use or whatever the case may be. So um, I think, yes, it, the peer pressure is real, but at the same time, let's, let's not discount that a person has full uh, choice, you know, in, in those things that they decide to do. Before I answer, do you want to add anything, please? I think the most often way that I think we see peer pressure, peer pressure is uh, through social media. And Absolutely. Uh, not, you know, like, kind of like piggyback off what he said, it was more so like you see people doing it and the effects of it in, in that way. And so it makes you think of, man, what if I was to feel like that? And maybe it might be a good way. And so then you might try it and then you might not experience the same thing and you get confused because you were like well I thought you know I would experience the same the same thing that they would experience and I think that's like the, the way that I see it the most is through social media because almost everyone's on social media and there's so much things that people are promoting in terms of drugs so you know if if your favorite rapper is doing it why not you do it that's right yeah so we- is the best and the worst cancer that we have yeah Definitely. And before I, I answer um, on my, as far as my perspective, I wanted to make sure our listeners know that it's very important to understand your family history as it relates to drug abuse. Sometimes people, you know, when Samad, when you were talking about how a drug might impact someone differently, sometimes people are not aware that addiction might run in their family. For instance, addiction runs in my family, you know? So me trying out something, alcohol, for instance, alcoholism is a strong drug in my history, it might affect me very differently than it might affect my friends. Whereas I might end up having some adverse effects, you know, as opposed to my friend who can drink all night because I have a history of addiction in my family, you know, so it's very important to know that. But I wanted to also give the perspective of peer pressure at work, because it's something that I experience now as an adult, where I have um, co-workers, I work, you know, in a fast-paced, you know, environment corporate environment and the drugs that are being advertised just very casually all the time have to do with staying awake and and losing weight and so there's always a thing about you know I'm I've been up for the last 15 hours and I didn't need any sleep I got so much done because I've been taking this you know and so people people are advertising it and I could just get some if I wanted to you know from from my coworker if I want it. And the, the pressure, kind of like you were saying, Samad, about you want to perform just like that person, you know, because you're seeing that I can't stay awake. I'm falling asleep, you know, I can't perform as better as what well as they're doing. I want to do as best as they're doing because I want that promotion. So then I might start thinking, you know, in the corporate world, maybe I'll try that, you know, maybe I'll try it. And then I start seeing their performance and start using it more, you know, mm-hmm. or I'm seeing that, I'm hitting the gym every night and I'm not losing weight as fast as this sister, you know, who's a couple of dolls down from me in the office. And I'm trying to figure out, you know, what are you doing? Because something's happening to where your waist is getting way thinner than mine, faster. You never go to the gym. And I see you eating pizza and all this kind of stuff. You know, and she, <laughs> she I had a person at work tell me, you know, she was using a drug called Finfin, you know, which is a, which is a drug that causes you to lose weight. And that's the thing that's very dangerous actually for your body that it became like, outlawed and stuff like that and they ended up producing a whole different kind but it's very prevalent in the in the corporate world that I work in where peer pressure is a big thing as it relates to drugs and I said that because I want to make sure our listeners know that 
it's not always just our young men who are being faced with this idea of peer pressure. It's very prevalent at work where people want to perform and they want to, you know, they equate that performance to productivity. So if, if you're somebody who's facing that that's listening, please make sure that you are taking care of yourself and not abusing something to the point that you hurt yourself. Absolutely. All right, so we have, we have a, about two more questions. Now I wanna um, now talk about what are some examples that either of you can um, ask, answer this that you would say to handle peer pressure as it relates to drugs that have been ineffective. I know Karima, you might remember um, back when we were in school, they had that campaign called Dare. You know, where, yeah. <laughs> you know, what was it? Drugs? I forgot. I forgot what the acronym even. Stood and they, for. they had the commercials where you know they had the frying pan. Yeah, the hot frying the pan, pan, and they cracked the egg in the frying pan. Brain on drugs. <laughs> Yeah. And, and you know, I'm a teacher, so it's very interesting that you bring that up because I actually showed that um, that commercial to my students. Uh, and I, I forget what how I incorporated it into the lesson, but it was it we. But when they saw it, they were like, oh, man. like they looked at it like, oh, that's not that wouldn't you know, like if if this was on TV today, I would just be like, click like so. You know, I I thought like growing up, like oh wow, that's a real good visual. Like that gives you a visual of your brain on drugs, but showing it today, like I literally showed it to my students and they were like, this is mm. like, yes, yeah, <laughs> nothing. Right. You know? So, I mean, I guess if, if, if they tried that to, I, I don't think that it would work today for sure, because it's so socially acceptable. Like you said, if you're, if you're like Nafi said, if your favorite rappers doing it, why not me? Or, you know, if it's, if it's just acceptable on social media, I mean, just across the board, like, it's, it's become so normalized that I don't know that there are very many, I mean, you got it in the music, it's, it's glorified in the music, it's glorified in the videos, it's glorified pretty much on in movies everywhere. So I'm not really sure what, what could be used in today's, in our society today. I mean, it worked for us back then, but I'm, I just, I mean, I'm stumped on that one. I'm, I'm, I'm throw it to Samad and see if he might have something, but I don't, I don't know that there is really any, I know it would be ineffective today. This is your brain drug, because you're like, oh, come on, stop all that. They don't even equate it to that, you know, so. So my, have, you, have, you, have you had people come to your school to, to try and convince you, like, don't use drugs, and this is the reason why? Has that happened at Morehouse? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, then. <laughs> um, but. The question you said, examples. <laughs> examples of ways that are ineffective to keep you from giving in to peer pressure. <laughs> that are ineffective. Um, <laughs> Just why he talks. That's well, hilarious. I only have one example, and I feel like this is when we were younger, we kind of, because we were young and, you know, we were all happy all the time. We were kind of like, yeah, but now it's kind of like, remember when you used to get those little wristbands that would say, say no to drugs? Yeah. Like, back then it was like I would look at it and I'm like yeah like drugs are bad you know never do drugs like but now it's not I think back I'm like that wish man was really pointless because it didn't really do anything in terms for um like my mom said like getting people like she said it's socially acceptable now so it's like what to say no even mean like hmm. <laughs> But what, what, imagine that, like, imagine a world where, it, you know, everybody wore these bracelets in solidarity to say no, to, like, imagine a world where, like, 
I don't know, you know, rappers, you know, came on the, you know, the two chains is on there with this, they know the drugs, you know, bracelet. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying, like, you know, whoever the latest whoever is rapper, imagine a world where that happened. And would that change the way the youth look at drugs? Because because if they're if they're glorifying it, then every all the youth say, Yeah, well, this is what we do. But if they if they're like, nah, this is whack, don't do this, do this. It, I, I think it would change the perception. Like, so I think it would be effective because whatever, you know, the, the rappers or the, the athletes and, you know, all those people that our youth look up to, if they were to get on board with a campaign like that, I think it it, it might, you know, it might be it effective. Could. It could. It could. I, I mean, because yeah, the I opposite think, is I think what you're saying is actually really valid because the thing is people can sell anything, you know, when it comes to somebody that you follow, people will believe what they say and think that they know more about a thing just because they're a rapper. On one of our episodes, we talked about the artist Summer Walker. She's an artist that sings and she talks about her social anxiety, you know, and how she has an issue with performing in front of people because she has this issue with social anxiety. And before her, I hadn't really heard anybody, you know, in her generation, younger people really talking about that. But now you see a lot of mm-hmm. people having conversations about how it should be acceptable to understand if somebody has social anxiety and how you should, you know, respect them as opposed to pressuring them to be out front in front of crowds and stuff like that. So I absolutely think mm-hmm. it's possible for an artist to advertise healthy behavior if they wanted to. But then I think they're faced with the pressure of what sells because people might exactly. not stop listening to their music if they think like this is lame because you're talking about, you know, Stopping doing what we actually really want to do, <laughs> you know. Exactly, exactly. I agree. Can I say something? Sure. Um, this this is kind of just more so intertwined with what you just said. I kind of just, me personally, I don't really under, understand. Like, or not even that I don't understand. It kind of makes me upset that people have the nerve. Like, I understand everyone has is entitled to their opinion. That's fine. Everyone should be able to speak freely on what they believe. But I just don't understand how people people be trying to have opinions and basically throw shots at people like they have a PhD in the topic that's being discussed. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that's my thing. If you're going to talk about something, don't let it be based on like pure emotion and just pure how you how you see it. But you have no facts, no evidence, no anything to back up what you're saying. Like, that's not right. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's pretty whack, actually. Yeah. I agree. All right. So we're going to close out with one last question. Okay. Uh, the last question is, uh, with some examples, what are some ways to handle peer pressure as it relates to drugs that, that have been effective? What are some ways you all think that you can handle peer pressure, discuss it, you know, between each other that are effective? Some things that you think, you know, that our listeners could hear that if a mom wants to talk to her son or if a son wanted to talk to his mom or anybody within their family wanted to bring the conversation up, what would be, uh, yeah, about peer pressure specifically as it relates to drugs, how would you all approach that? What are some examples? Well, I mean, for me, because I mean, that it's not a topic that we haven't discussed, you know, as, you know, especially as your kids get older, like again, like I said, I've I've shared things with my with my um, with my children as it relates to um, my past, and I think that that's a very good segue. That's a very good 
way to you know start a conversation because you want your children to know first of all i'm human you know i'm not perfect i'm not an angel i have i you know i have done things in my past that you know that um you know I, i'm not proud of but that i learned from and i don't i don't feel like you have to learn you ha you don't have to do the same thing i did in order you don't have to experience the same thing uh, you can just take my word for it there's some things you don't have to experience you can just take my word for it because the reality is if if you do what I did, you're gonna get the same result, right? So I think that just being open as a parent, for me, being open enough to, um, you know, share, you know, my stories. Not, I'm, I'm, I don't go into no serious, you know, depth about things, but you know, just enough for them to be able to understand that. Wait a minute, okay, you know, um, you know, my my parents, you know, have uh, gone through some things, and and they came on, they came out on the other side, okay, and they're, you know, and you know, they're good now, you know, but not beyond that. I think for me. And my husband, we've we we've always, for us, we strive to have to to set the example for our children. Like I'm not a do as I say, not as I do parent. You know what I mean? Like in there, and and it's each his own. And I'm not throwing any shots at any parent, but I just feel like like you have to walk the walk, not just talk the talk. You know what I mean? So you have to be an example. So I think you know, if nothing else, you know, it's important as parents for us to model that which we want our children to you know do now now does that mean that all the time our children are going to stray or you know go in whatever direction they want to go in that i mean i'm i'm a you know i'm a good example my parents I grew, like i said grew up in a muslim home my parents i never i never seen drugs alcohol you know cursing none of that stuff in our house you know we prayed five times a day we my parents were i can say they set an excellent example but you know, I, I chose to do my thing when I got to college. So, but and and but that experience again brought me full circle to where I am now. So I think for me that a good a good way to be able to, you know, um, talk about peer pressure and is to be able to allow your children to see, you know, see themselves in you or see or you know or or the other way around so that they know okay, I, I can feel comfortable having this conversation because I know my parents, you know have been there done that kind of deal you know what i mean and and they won't you know judge me too harshly but at the same time i'm not gonna coddle you to hell either i'm not gonna be like oh that's cool son go on and you know no, no i'm not doing that either but at the same time you know i want you to know yeah i've been there done that understand but let me let me tell you how that happened how that worked out for me and and i can assure you that if you do the same thing i did it's probably going to go there for you it might even be worse so just using your own life examples if you have any or examples in your family because we you know if it's not me personally i certainly point to some examples in the family like listen like this is not if this is not the you know the results you want then don't don't do the same thing so for me i just yeah i think that that would be my best um advice in terms of you know opening up conversation for that How about you? Um, any advice any examples I would say that um, examples for me, in terms of peer pressure, that is is effective for drugs, not doing mm -hmm. drugs. Well, yeah, you're speaking to young men. If they want to go talk to their moms or young people in general, if it's young ladies that are listening, how how would you advise them that they could approach their parents or you know a guardian about the topic of peer pressure? Okay. Well. Um, I'll say this first. I feel that the reason why a lot of 
kids, girls and boys don't go to their parents is because they fear that they'll be judged. Mm-hmm. That's the first because I don't care what any kid or tries to tell you, we don't want our parents to be ashamed of us. Yeah. Ashamed, disappointed, or just felt like, you know, this isn't the child I raised. Cause then that makes you feel like less of a person when your parents don't. You feel that your parents don't, you know, value you as much as you want them to. So that's that's my first thing. But um I would say that if you want to approach your parents and talk to them about that, um, I feel like first, because you do have, and like I said, this isn't a shot, but you do have some parents who don't want to talk about that, like at all. Like, and if you try to bring it up, it's like, oh no, you know better than that. Or, you know, like, why are you talking to me about this? Or just basically not even give their, giving their child a segue into because you never know them talking to you about this might be a way for them to try to understand or just maybe just get a different perspective but if you just shut your kid out as a parent you know you may be part of the reason why they eventually may end up doing whatever drug they end up no not you may be the reason but you may play a, a part in or what may send them over the edge and like, oh, she doesn't, if, if my parents don't care, I don't care, you know? So, but I, I think that if you want to come to your parents, I feel like you should just come to them, like just in raw form and just try to be like, try to explain it in the best way that you know how without trying to come off as disrespectful. Because, like I said, um, I'm I'm 21 years old, so there are certain things that you know. Even if me and my parents may not agree on them per se, we all have enough respect to listen to each other. Because, like I said, we're all getting to that age to where it's like you know I have my own opinion i have my own thoughts i have my own brain you know i can think for myself so um i think that's important and um but i will say this for the people who you know see social media and see like you know their favorite rapper or their favorite you know whoever doing drugs and they're like okay that's acceptable um I probably say one thing that maybe they could look at is some of them who have done all these different types of drugs and died from them. Like me, me personally, like I've heard like since 20, well, not even since 2020, throughout 2019 and 2020, I've seen like a fair share of like, like rappers and artists who people love like across the world, you know, get into these drugs, whether it be, you know, weed or lean or, you know, all these different types of drugs and they ended up dying from them at, at early ages, like not even like early 20s, like not even getting really getting to experience life. So if you want to, if you want to look at it from that perspective, I mean, you can, but I mean, at the end of the day, you know, like it is your choice at the, um, what you do. And, but I want people to realize also that, because a lot of people say that, you know, it can never happen to me. 
you know, just because it happened to him doesn't mean it'll happen to me. Now, um, that's, I'll say that there's, I would say that there's some truth to that, but it depends on your level of usage, I guess. Like, um, now for people who are like occasional to like sometime, you know, drug users, I would say that, you know, maybe your chances aren't, you know, necessarily as high, but there's always, you only need one, you only need one time. That's the truth. You only need one time. Like she said, someone could lace you with something, someone could put like a, you know, a substance or chemical and just whatever, and then that's it, boom. So be aware, always be aware, but... Um, and I say err on the side of caution. I would say that. And, I, and I, I, just to add one thing, I think that as he, somebody was talking, it came to me, I think that another effective way for some, you know, youth who want to, you know, have this conversation with their parents that they're not comfortable just coming to them and talking and, 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 you know, just coming out with it, you might be able to write. Like there, you know, I think, you know, writing can be very effective. Like just write up, you know, write your thoughts down and maybe you take that letter and you slide it under your parents' door. You know what I mean? And let them read it when they wake up. You know what I mean? So at least if, if it's a way to be able to open up the conversation, if you're not comfortable sitting, coming to them actually saying it, put your thoughts on paper and then give it to them and let them read it, let them digest it and then, you know, maybe you all can come back, you know, to the table at, at a later point, um, and you know, have the, and open up the conversation that way. And just one more thing, just one more thing. Um, try to try to, because the thing is, if you, I feel like in order to talk about something like that with your parents, you have to have a wholesome relationship as a family in general. Like, if you, if your family life and your family relationships are bad or toxic or you know just unsettling then of course you're not going to feel comfortable wanting to talk to them about you know a topic as big as that because it's like well if i can't talk to them about you know something down here how can i talk to them about something that's up here so yeah that's just all right we want to thank you both karima and samad noble for joining us today with this very important topic about drugs this has been very informative i appreciate the openness that you both have i appreciate you being honest and candid you know, because it's not something we see often. And I appreciate you, too, Nafis, for joining in on the conversation. This is something we've been enjoying all along. And for our listeners, we want to thank you for listening in. This has been another episode of Between Us and Y'all. We hope you have enjoyed what you've heard and that it's been beneficial. As always, we want to encourage you to work hard, pray hard, love hard, and play hard. Thank you all for listening. Thank you guys for being here. All right. Thank you for having us. This was fun. Awesome. All right. See you. Alaikum. Alaikum. Alaikum.